0: You're listening to, wait, am I an adult now? One of the only podcasts out there that interviews young millennials riding the squiggly line of life. We're your co-hosts, Shelby Wildgust
1: and Savon Picciotto. And together, our mission is to inspire you with stories of millennials just like you who are paving their way in the new creative economy. Our guests
0: are leading epic lives through entrepreneurship, artistry, charity, music, corporate leadership, and so much more. Are you ready to jump in? Let's go.
1: Hey, 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 party people, what is up? We are back with another episode of Wait, Am I an Adult Now? My name is Shelby Wildgust. And this is Savon Petroto And we have a special guest with us tonight. Special guest, introduce yourself.
2: Hey guys, uh, this is Francis Mangubat here. Um, Shelby and Savon, thank you so much for the opportunity and for having me on this podcast.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, our thanks pleasure. for coming on. Yeah. So before we dive into who this majestic man is, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, who this man is sitting across from us, obviously we have to share with all of you, Francis included, our Wait Am I an Adult Now moment of the week. Savan. do you want to kick us off?
0: Yeah. All right. So you know how usually when the weekend comes around it's one or the other thing either you're dedicated to work and you just work all weekend or you're like you know what i just want to take a break and i want to like go out and have fun yeah i this weekend i feel like i perfectly balanced my work and play Ooh. like to the max Ooh, share so us more. um share us i had like so many tasks that i had filled up shelby you know like for this podcast specifically like all this stuff we wanted to get done and um so I was able to like manage my day in a way that I could get everything done I need to get done for that day, and then go out and have fun. And I did the same thing on Sunday, same oh, thing on Friday, yeah, and I was like, yeah, all right. So I got done every single thing on my list, and I was still able to have a good time. So, so
1: you had the the adult moment, and then also the child moment. Yeah, a
0: little bit of combination there. Good. So, right.
1: <laughs> well, my way in my adult now moment of the week is. Um, really embarrassing and I feel like my last couple of moments have been super awesome and impressive and like very much adult-like and this um, full disclosure is not. Um, So I teetered on whether or not I should share this story with you guys because some of you might be like, WTF Shelby, what is wrong with you? But I think I think it's a it's a good story to share with all you guys because um, it lets you know that even at 24, nearly 25, like hangovers can still seriously. You know <laughs> uh, affect you affect you uh, I think more so than when they were when you were 18 19 20 years old but um, anyway for me I do a lot of travel in my job and I was recently in Buffalo New York which is only like a 40minute plane ride from Philadelphia and the night before my plane I went out in Niagara Falls Canada had a great time um, the Eagles were playing at the time and we lost so I proceeded to have one too many drinks which I then regretted the next next day and my flight wasn't until 10 a.m. so I figure all right like I can probably sleep until 8 a.m. like any hangover is going to be you know halfway gone by that point um, but I failed to f- remember that I actually went to bed at, like 3:30, so my hangover was a little bit later in the day so anyway I wake up I get to the airport I'm like feeling okay not great I get on the plane I'm feeling okay not great I fall asleep on the plane wake up mid-plane splitting headache my hangover is in full force I'm like, this is just awesome, but I have 10 minutes left on the plane ride. So I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. I can make it through. I The plane lands, I get off the plane, I get to my car. I am driving my car from the Philadelphia airport back to my apartment and I just get hit with this wave of horrible hangover hell. The <laughs> Triple H. And I am in the middle of South Philly driving you know through the streets of South Philly which is a stop and go type drive so I think that the stop and go nature of my drive was really upsetting my stomach and I am literally three blocks from my house and all of a sudden I just throw up as I'm driving (laughs) on my lap and I had to pull over in the middle of the street to then open up my car door and continue to throw up and um Gross story. I'm sorry if any of you out there is listening to this and eating at the same time. My apologies. (laughs) But it just goes to show that you can be super, super, super put together one day and then the next day be literally throwing up on yourself mid-drive. So that was my wait, am I an adult now moment of the week? I will never, ever drink the night before a flight. Wow. Ever again. (laughs) So Francis, all that being said, why don't you go ahead and wow us with your adult-like moment of the week?
2: Oh, so I'm getting the theme now. Um, (laughs) I can actually do an adult, real life adult thing and do something childish too. So some background to what I do, I have a real estate team. I work at least 60 hours a week, typically seven days a week. So anyways, two weeks ago, it was my 25th birthday. My birthday was on a Saturday at midnight, so technically Sunday. I didn't realize it was my 25th birthday until Saturday. So I'm wait, doing... Wait,
1: wait, 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 pause. <laughs> you didn't realize it was your birthday?
2: Yeah, I just forgot. You know, it's a crazy <laughs> week. I mean, I'm out of my house by 5.30 in the morning, 5.30, 6 in the morning, and then I typically get back home like 10- 9 to 11. Yeah. So anyways, I'm doing an open house 12 to 2. that Saturday. Take a quick hour nap after and at like 3 30 i'm like whoa it's my 25th birthday now let me call some friends let's <laughs> go get a table at vesper so anyways end up having like the best birthday of my life at vesper just some great friends it was a great party um was out till probably like 3 3 30 in the morning just time of my life and then the next day oh my god i'm an adult today. again i have to go work on my 25th birthday from 12 to 2 and it, it's great to transition from Like, oh, being a kid, hanging out with your friends, it's kind of like a big college party and to having to get to work the next day. And what's crazy is the very next week, I just ended up buying like my dream house. It's going to be like a new construction in like a graduate hospital, which is a center city neighborhood. So it's like, whoa, I'm an adult now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So it seems like your story and Savan's story are similar in the fact that you guys were able to find the balance, whereas my story was... Completely off balance. Yeah, like actually (laughs) physically off balance.
0: (laughs) All right, awesome.
1: well, let's get started with tonight's or today or whatever time you're listening to this podcast, this episode. So we brought on our good friend, Francis Mangibot, both Savon and I know Francis from different walks of life. So we go way back, which is awesome. We love bringing on friends to our podcast. And it's really amazing just to think about our community and our network and how inspirational and how um, just badass our friends are. And so we're super pumped to have Francis on this podcast. So first off, thank you for being here with us tonight.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And Francis, uh, if you could go ahead and give us like a quick 30 second LinkedIn summary bio of who you are.
2: Uh, Shelby, that's tough because I don't really like to talk about myself. But uh, 2016, I ended up graduating from University of Delaware with a background in finance. Um, while at university of Delaware, I ended up building my network marketing business, IsoGenics, to top 10 in the country. It started on a top real estate team immediately after college, 2017, I was the number one agent on that team. And then this year got my own business, advanced Philly with, uh, my partner going and, um, this year we'll do a uh, 40 million in real estate sales. We'll help our clients purchase and sell that amount of real estate so uh yeah
1: that's pretty bad that's amazing yeah so one thing i know about francis and savan you can feel free to jump in and give me your own interpretation but francis is a go-getter to the to the G O G E T T E R. oh yeah (laughs) all capitals
0: (laughs) yeah and like i know from working with you before and knowing you from the past like you're all you've always just been so focused and attentive to detail and that's something i admire about you um, but I know that, you know, it hasn't always been easy for you. You've had ups and downs and you've gotten into different businesses. And um, we like to kind of have you take us back to like when you were, you know, your 18, 19, 20 year old self, how you started getting into businesses, um, entrepreneurship, like where that journey started for you.
2: Yeah, so really good question, Sivan. Um, where the journey of entrepreneurship began was... I'd say that goes all the way down to my childhood where I ended up moving from the Philippines to the States at the age of 8. From 8 till I was in 7th grade, uh, my family was living off food stamps and my parents were um, driving like 10 to 15-year-old cars just like barely getting by and um, very grateful for the U.S. system for having um, – Systems in place to take care of people who have financial challenges, and so I'd say that moment has always inspired me to be laser focused and almost take advantage of every opportunity that is in front of me. So when I was in college, one of my best friends, um, he's still one of my best friends to this day. His fa- his father, um, they were like probably one of the wealthiest families from like my group of friends in high school. And like we used to always go to his beach house, hang out at his house, like his parents would have like great cars and like all this great food and gave back a lot to the community. But anyways, his father owned an insurance company and my sophomore year of college, he ends up giving me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which completely changed my life. And from then on, I, I think that's really gotten me in terms of an entrepreneur mindset to prior having an employee mindset, which my whole family has pretty much like pressed on me growing up. So I'd say that's the biggest mind shift that I had. And once I had the entrepreneur mindset, I just latched on and learned from a lot of very successful people in different fields. And I just learned as much as possible from what they did. And I felt like I took all those little things that they were doing correctly and Implemented that into my own life with my own personality.
1: Yeah. And I think what I have always admired so much about you, Francis, is the fact that you truly are a student of life. And I've always noticed that you will put yourself in positions to be influenced by people of influence, which is really powerful and it's a great thing to do. Before we dive into who you are today as an entrepreneur, you said something that was really valuable that I think i'm not sure if our listeners caught on to it or some of them might have but i don't know if other people really know what you're talking about when you say an employee mindset versus an entrepreneur mindset so can you describe to us because our listeners out there i mean they're between 20 and 30 years old some of them are in corporate lifestyles and some of them probably love what they do others are entrepreneurs others have side hustles so just talk to us about what an employee mindset is versus what an entrepreneur mindset is
2: so I I think that mindset is different for everyone so I'm gonna tell you how I've come to understand it growing up my parents and my family always told me to get the absolute best grades which I did um, I got a 3.96 GPA my first full year at the University of Delaware and and the employee mindset is kind of working your way up the corporate ladder and the idea is you you get to as high of a job title as you possibly get to what i've seen from it is when i was in college i would take a look at the people who were quote unquote role models who were climbing up the employee ladder and i felt like it was very difficult to do that path for me because i was seeing that people were 5 years out of school and they weren't like absolutely thrilled and loving what they were doing. So the entrepreneur mindset is kind of like instead of instead of being a sports player, like why not own the sports team? Or instead of, you know, living in a uh, rental, why not develop a high-rise condominium building? And so it's just providing more value to the marketplace and Then in turn, by providing more out, that's what's great about being in a country where it's a free market. You're compensated for whatever value you bring to the market.
0: So it's more about like being a creator rather than a recipient of something.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. What I hear from you is the fact that as an employee, you know, you kind of have to follow the system in a way. You have to follow some rules and you have to do certain things to get certain places. But as an entrepreneur, you're the one that's calling the shots. You're the one that's paving the path. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it's like a different, just a different mindset. Um, Like one of my clients who I really admire and respect, um, he's a fabulous doctor. But instead of just going and getting a job and being content with like a significant salary, he went and find a practice with older partners where they saw his talent He was allowed to go buy in and now he's an owner of a very established practice. And now he's looking to go and add more clinics and like essentially bring on more doctors. It's just a lot bigger thinking of a mindset. And it, it comes with, I think the very basis of that philosophy is saving first, investing that money wisely. And then that comes from like learning from mentors who can obviously like teach you that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So going back to what you were saying about reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, do you remember specifically a couple things in that book that changed your mindset or principles that you still use to this day in the work that you do?
2: Yeah. It, I mean, the quadrants definitely make sense. I mean, I read that book when I was a sophomore, so probably about five years ago. So it's not, it's not, I, I don't remember like exact principles from the book, but that book overall just changed my whole mindset because my my ideal thing that I was looking to do before was just go to school and I wanted just to get that 4.0 GPA and was kind of going to figure it out from there. And through my personal experience, it's like some of the, I feel like I'm doing better financially than a lot of senior managers and that, that are working at those type of companies that I would have liked to work at.
0: Right. So
1: I want you to, I, so it's what's interesting Francis is I see you now as who you are and I know you from freshman year of college so you're smiling you guys can't see him smiling but he's smiling because he knows what I'm about to say the Francis freshman year of college is very different than the Francis today I mean I think that's true for everybody right but because our listeners are people who are young ambitious hungry again a lot of them have entrepreneurial desires and probably a lot of them have entrepreneurial mindsets. However, a lot of them do take a safe route after graduation and go into a job. And what's great about this economy today is that you can have side hustles and still feed that entrepreneurial desire. But I would love for you to share with our listeners your story of college where, you know, you were doing other entrepreneurial things, you were reading these books, you were developing this mindset, but then when you graduated, It is true that you were looking for an employee-type job. Um, And then what happened there? Like, I think that's such a powerful story, Francis.
2: Yeah, so I started in college, you know, freshman year, doing the whole party thing, like, all the time. And my job my freshman year was to go party and then get good grades. And I feel like I accomplished both. And then sophomore year, I got approached with a network marketing opportunity everyone that was in my circle told me not to do it. And I'm really glad I did. And I think that every millennial that's in college, like there's so many people that are asking me for internship opportunities like, oh, does Advanced Philly take interns? Uh, And the answer is really no because we don't really need that position. But my recommendation to everyone in college would be, even if you don't make any money, even if it would be to get started in network marketing role, because that's how you get Sales experience and dealing with people and learning prospecting and getting the mindset. That's, I think that's what separates me from the pack. From like why I've accomplished what I have being 25. But anyways, so my my senior year of college, it was applying for jobs. And again, this goes back to the employee entrepreneur mindset. Um, my residual income with my network marketing company was about sixty five thousand dollars a year. My dad had in my mind like. Like, don't go and get started with real estate right away because you're not guaranteed any commission. Go and get a part-time job and then go work real estate part-time. But for me, I was fortunate enough to have two friends that were 10 million a year agents. 10 million in real estate sales is about 270,000 in gross income, gross commission income. So I sort of looked at that and I looked at my mother who was a doctor and went through so many years of school like hundreds of thousands of dollars invested into med school. And I'm like, okay, well, two of my friends are earning just as much as my mother is. So even if I can get into the real estate business and not earn any money, at least I'm getting that experience and I'm honing my craft, kind of like how a doctor hones their craft in the four years of medical school. So I saw that opportunity and I'm like, okay, well, why don't I just learn from people who are doing it? My friends who are doing it are telling me to go full-time right away. I'm going to do what they're doing as opposed to go go listen to all the other bozos that are in my circle of influence that aren't in that business and therefore can't give me advice on how that business works. So it was just taking advice from people who had the results that I wanted and trusting my gut feeling. And even though odds are you know, you're know, you not going to be successful in real estate your first year, I just followed my gut instinct and followed my belief that I could do it and yeah. Well,
1: I think what you just said is so cool and it's a great way to look at getting started in something that is entrepreneurial and that is risky from the point of view that you're not making money right away. Like people, when they get jobs, they want jobs because it gives them security, right? But when you get into an entrepreneurial role, the payoff can be much, much, much higher, but the startup is much Longer and sometimes more difficult than let's go. Let's say getting a job and automatically off the bat you're making fifty thousand dollars a year or hundred thousand dollars a year. I love how you equated that first year, or two years of real estate as the same way a doctor might put in their time and their money towards getting their uh, degree in med school. Because it's true that with entrepreneurship, you can make as much money, if not more, probably more if you stick with it long enough than doctors. And yes, your first couple of years will be difficult and you're probably going to be in the red. But if you think about it, less of a loss and more of an investment and like honing your craft, like you just said, it changes your whole mindset.
0: And it's more of a long-term picture too with that. And I also love that you said like you only take advice from people who are doing the thing that you want to do. And I think that's such an important lesson for a lot of people because a lot of times... I mean we all do it when we're younger we listen to our parents and other people around us about what they think we should do with our lives and the path that we should go down and for you to have the strength to uh, recognize that first of all and then know inside yourself and follow your gut into what you wanted to do and listen to the mentors that are actually doing it i think that that's that's awesome and a lot of people doubt themselves with that
2: there's actually an analogy out there that um think of like a steel pot that's boiling and then there's a bunch of crabs in there. I've heard this. And at first, you know, it's warm, like everyone there feels good. And like, as the water's boiling up, there may be a crab that's like trying to get out, but most of the crab just like, they feel warm and it feels good. So they just stay there. And like, even if for the crab climbing out, a lot of the crabs are going to want to stick in there because it's nice, it's comfortable. And they don't even know that like they're about to be dead, but they're just staying there and like from what i've seen like a lot a lot of friends who go out and like do ridiculous things that's so far from the pack that like your the rest of your friends are doing i think you don't get a lot of support from like your closest friends especially when when you're first starting because that idea is so far fetched to them that like and even if you were to succeed it's like You both started where they were so they can't even picture that but there's always going to be people who don't support you but as long as you believe in yourself i believe that you're going to be good because
1: and also it comes down to who you surround yourself with right you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself the most with and going back to what i said before what, what i admire you is that you've always been the kind of person that wants to insert yourself in those circles that are just going to challenge you to become better so I'd love for you to share with us and our listeners about your philosophy on networking and how to find those people because you started from a space where you weren't even born in this country and you came from Boston to, to outside of Philadelphia and Delaware and you know you weren't anybody like you weren't anybody of like real big significance until you started to surround yourself with people who are going to bring you up. So can you share with us how you did that and what your tips will be for other people?
2: Yeah. So, um, I mean, so when I moved from university of Delaware and started professionally here in Philly, I didn't know anyone here in Philadelphia at all. So, I mean, my whole networking philosophy is number one, I want to be hanging out with people who are levels above me, who are doing a lot bigger and better things. And number two, I think that One of the things that people get hung up on is how do I get those people to spend time with me is number two. You just got to add value to the people who are all the way up there. And I mean, for me, like one of the largest developers in Philadelphia is now my client. But how I added value to his business is, I mean, a simple customer testimonial like that's adding value, finding him lots that he could go purchase and make money. That's adding value, selling pre-construction inventory. That's adding value. So just looking to add value to every person that you meet. But for me, I just like to hang out with with the network and other people who are doing much better than me. And I'm just comfortable in that that environment. Um, one of my best friends who's younger than me and is a lot, lot more successful than me, owns over 100 properties at the age of 24. He ended up going back home for Thanksgiving and he's like, Dude, I feel weird like going to the Wednesday night out with all my friends who I went to high school with. And we both we both come from similar backgrounds where we didn't go to the super like the 20 and the 40,000 a year private schools. We both went to public schools. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from my my high school, there's a lot of people who are like bartending and all that. Like after, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just a different mindset than the entrepreneur who wants to conquer it all
1: yeah and like you said there's nothing wrong with that it's just that some people are born with that risk averse type mindset of like i just want to get out there and do 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 and being complacent is the worst thing in the world for them where for other people it's not necessarily complacency it's more like you feel content
2: right but if people are complacent and they're happy doing it there's absolutely nothing wrong with that you know it's just not my thing but but also you know for other people like working sixty hours a week; they could never fathom that. So, I never judge people for what they like or what they don't like to do. It just I make my own mind up for what I like to do. Yeah, and do it.
0: So, for those people out there who are like, yeah, like I want to start getting in touch with those types of people and hanging out with them and like getting to know people like that in my field. Um, how did you begin to do that was it mostly online like connecting through LinkedIn or did you go to places that you knew these people would hang out and just try to make friends with random people like how, what was the the process for you
2: I think that's like asking the question like how did your best friend become your best friend yeah <laughs> I, I feel like it I, I don't know I feel like I do it so subconsciously that I don't really know the skills but I think it's kind of just like making a friend just all of a sudden like say hang with saying hey what's up like yeah just talking to people that, that you meet rapport. out or... um, it's kind of like how did your boyfriend become your boyfriend or how did your girlfriend become your girlfriend and how did your friend become your friend mm-hmm. but for me it's just making friends it's just
1: yeah I think I can actually answer that question in a way that might give some insight to our listeners as to how they can do it because I've watched you do this it's what you did with me um you the way that you and I met was that I was part of the University of Delaware class of 2016 Facebook group. And at the time I was running a vector marketing branch office and vector marketing is not network marketing, but it's direct sales. So it's in the same exact sphere of, um, businesses and opportunities that are completely entrepreneurial and it's you can do what you want with it and you can make as much money as you want with it. And I was running an office in Delaware at the time and I made a post in our Facebook group looking for entrepreneurial minded, driven, ambitious people. And Francis reached out to me. And I think it's because those keywords like sent a little spark in his brain like, oh, this person sounds like someone that I should be in touch with. And little did I know he was trying to cross-recruit me for his network marketing <laughs> business. But regardless, like he had no fear in reaching out to me and saying, Hey, my name is Francis. I'd like to uh, talk to you more about what you're talking about, or I like to get dinner or lunch or whatever it might be. And even when Francis and I and Savon, we were all in the same network marketing company, Isogenics, and that's where Francis and I met Savon. But Francis, and in Isogenics, again, even though um, you weren't with these people all the time when you went to events or when you were connected with them on Facebook, you always made an effort to bring it offline. So what's beautiful about nowadays is that you can get connected to anybody online, but where you will really separate yourself is if you have the balls to say, let's get together offline. Right. In real life. IRL. <laughs> the new phrase.
2: I think there's an art to it. Like, um, you just got to figure it out like trial and trial and error because um a lot of my most successful clients like they're not on social media they're not you know on the whole online thing like millennials are but it, i don't know you'll figure it out is you just got to do it the, the biggest no, thing is yeah just
0: you, not be afraid to make friends just yeah talk you to can't people. you can't
2: be scared like Figuring out, getting reject, like you just have to go do it, and eventually you'll learn about. And it's different because everyone has a different personality, everyone has a different business, but you just got to get, you got to get comfortable, uncomfortable, reaching out and making an effort to connect with like higher level and higher caliber people. Like, right. I- when I first started in real estate, I had no idea what I'm talking about, but I- I'm showing up to an open house and I'm just you know, doing it and you just learn as you go.
0: Yeah. I had somebody tell me before, like, it doesn't matter so much. Like if the information you're giving is exactly accurate, you just have to be super confident and have it be mostly accurate. And like, obviously, eventually as you get better and better at what you're doing, you should be a hundred percent accurate at what you're telling somebody. and You should be really good at it. But like, Just getting those initial first steps and like talking to somebody and not being afraid to make the first step to be their friend or like make connections with anybody because you never know somewhere down the line who's going to help you out in the long run or like who might come back into play later on in your life. Yeah.
1: And I think there's something important to add on to what you just said, Savon. While it's 100% true that when you're starting out with something, like you don't have to have everything perfect. You don't have to know everything. You just have to get out there and do it. Like I think when I started my coaching program, I didn't have everything figured out. I just started to sell it and people bought it. And then I was like, shit, now I would figure it out. But when it comes to meeting people and meeting people of higher caliber, I think oftentimes people are afraid that they're going to be looked down upon by these people of higher caliber because they're not at their level just yet. So what helps me in getting past that fear of inadequacy is thinking about how I would feel if somebody, a younger version of myself, came up to me and said, Shelby, I wanna learn from you. Like, can you share with me how you did X, Y, and Z? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn my back to them. I'm not going to be like, oh, you suck. You're not at my level yet. Like, peace out. Bye. No, I'm going to share with them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to share my story because one, I want to give value to them. Two, I see myself in them. And three, I like to talk about myself. So <laughs> Everybody and, does, right? <laughs> exactly. So for all of you out there that know that part of your journey towards success requires you to get out of the house and meet people of higher caliber and surround yourself with those people, don't be afraid to come in and ask them for help, ask them questions, ask them how can I add value to you? Because if they're going to, they're if they're a good person, they're going to welcome that, but I, am I right, Francis?
2: Yeah, I would say, I, I'd i say like 50-50 on that because I feel like my industry is um, like very cutthroat and like real estate developers especially and big time real estate agents can be almost like very cutthroat So like a lot of people like in in this industry, they're not like, they don't really care of, oh, how can I help this person or whatever? Like what matters to them is their bottom dollar and like, are you, am I making money on whatever? But my big thing is if you can confidently describe your value and you can confidently get up to someone and, talk about how you would like to add value to their business or what they're doing or introduce them to other people then that's what you lead with because from what i've seen not everyone has that kind heart you know i want i want this person to succeed or i see this person as like a smaller level than me maybe i'm a little bit more jaded because i've been in because i'm in an industry that's very cutthroat and i've seen a lot of that and also like people at one thing that you got to realize is that for people who achieve at the highest of levels like the point one percent it's like their phones are getting like super super blown up and that's why when you know you go shake hands with them for the first time like your first sentence that you say is like so important because they're judging you like immediately out of the gate. So that's where the confidence and the body language and just like, really like your are like my intent with meeting someone is how I can add value to, I'm always leading with how I can add value to their business. And I don't have anything that's, that that's cookie cutter because it's different for every person. And like, if I'm not looking to add value or whatever, like if there's someone out there, that's just like a, a developer or whatever, I'm not going to say something just for me to get more business. Like I'm, if I'm saying something, it's true. And I'm going to deliver on having added that value. And as you, as you add more and more value to other people, and as you have more friends and more like a acquaint- bigger circle of acquaintances yeah. and like more people around you that you've dealt with that are more and more successful, I think that that just raises your confidence level and, like, yeah, the other day or not the other day, a couple of months ago, I was riding around this um, up and coming neighborhood in in Philadelphia with a billionaire from Manhattan. But I was comfortable because of all the other times that I've surrounded myself with other people who have achieved at a high level. And and my pitch was I know the neighborhoods and in my internal like I know this neighborhood very, very well. And I'm going to add value to this mm-hmm. developer because I know all the comps and I know what the buyers are looking for
1: so I think it's a good combination of both because if you lead with value then you'll initiate that relationship I don't when I when I said what I said I don't mean like walk up to someone like hi can you help me it's more like confidence first add value build that relationship but don't be afraid to be around someone because you're not at their level yet
0: right like like what you just said like you have to give value to get value. And you also have to be genuine about it. And it has to be specific to that person. Um, I think those are all like really great tips, for sure.
1: So Francis, can you share with us about, you know, your start in real estate? I know we've talked a lot about your network and your entrepreneurial mindset and kind of your journey from high from uh, grade school all the way to getting out of college and starting in real estate. Can you Give us, you know, five minutes of just some of your journey in real estate and some of your tips you'd give to someone who's looking to get into real estate.
2: Yeah. So, um, my start in real estate was, um, I'd say it didn't really start off that great because, um, one of my mentors who's a pretty successful builder, he told me, go reach out to the number one agent in your market and give him a call. So I called the number one agent in the Philadelphia market who absolutely crushes it. He's I consider him a friend to this day. But anyways, he goes right to voicemail. He ends up referring me to his broker who says, yeah, like this person does not take new agents on his team. I ended up getting introduced to another agent who who was the number one agent on Antonio Attican's team. I interviewed with him. I was very fortunate to get on his team. And the first three months was just all lead generation, just... It, like my my thing was I want to be around the agents who are really successful. And so I took all the classes. And I think what I did differently that a lot of other agents don't do is like, I mean, all my all my friends at the office that were successful, they weren't my friends yet, but they knew that I was very motivated and driven. So I, w- I would take all these guys to like lunch, dinner, happy hour at like the most expensive restaurants in the city. And that's how I'm adding value to them. But they're also adding value to me and that's how I learned how to do the business and for me like I was very confident because now all my friends are like are are doing like 10 million a year in sales so I'm like okay well that's you know that's what I have to do Mm -hmm. and even to this day I look at what I'm doing and I'm not doing much compared to a lot of my like circle that I spend the most time with I I'd say that a lot of the people that I can talk to call my phone just have a conversation with like they all have 100, 100 million a year real estate teams and they all have a lot of like a ton of rental properties. So it's just I think it's all perspective, you know? Yeah,
0: I think your philosophy on life is so interesting because like in a way, like you, everything you do is so intentional that even like you genuinely wanted to be friends with these people. But at the same time, you know that if you show them a good time and you get to know them and you show them who you are, they're in return going to teach you their ways and they're going to teach you what they know and you're going to get to their level um which i feel like not a lot of people look at it that way
2: yeah and because most agents mindset is you know they're they're kind of in a scarcity mindset they don't have any money but for me i I looked at that like the money that i'm investing into my career and i'm honing my craft Mm -hmm. and for me it's like okay well all my friends already own all these houses in all these neighborhoods it's much easier to guide clients through the purchase oh my buddy just bought that house across the street like this one's a great investment and this one's you know one of the up-and-coming hottest neighborhoods in the city so just adding value to the client. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's really
0: cool. So for the sake of time, um, we wanna kind of have you, if you could look back at who you were when you were that like young, 18, 19, like just getting into college, if you were to go back to that person and give him one piece of advice, what would that be?
2: I'd say it would definitely be to think much bigger and faster because I was that young kid who had the work ethic, just didn't have the direction and the mentorship. And I look back at my 18 year old self and all I wanted to do was get a 50, 60K a year job at an entry level firm and sort of work my way up, be making a hundred thousand dollars a year when I was in my early thirties. And then I thought that at that salary, it's like, whoa, like I'm set for life and, like, didn't really th- – I was just thinking, like, once I hit that 100K number, it was like –
0: Like, that's I, the end game. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm
2: just balling. And it's it can happen a lot faster with I, – I think you got to be in the right – you got to have the right path. But, it, like, even a year ago, even a year ago where I'm now, I could not have dreamed of. And even where I was a year ago, two years ago, I could not have dreamed of. So, it's just – it goes back to the whole mentorship and just having the five five friends rule. Like that's the story of my life and that's what I live by. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's a great rule. Something that I live by too. That's why I'm with you guys. <laughs> um, Francis, where can everybody find you?
2: I'd say, I mean, I'm on Facebook at Francis Mangobot, um, Instagram at Francis Mangobot, if someone's trying to get a hold of me, I'd say the best way would be email. And that's francisadvancedphilly.com. I do my best to clear those out every day. My text messages, I'm pretty bad at. Um, and phone calls, I'm not as good at either, especially if I don't have your number. But email is definitely the best. And that's my personal email.
1: It's very adult like of you, Francis.
2: It's a, the text. <laughs> texts don't have an unread function. and I
1: know. It's the worst. I don't, I don't know why.
2: Yeah. That's why emails.
1: The yeah, best i agree with um, you on
2: that
1: 100 yeah all right guys well thank you so so much for tuning in to tonight's episode if you gained value from this episode please go ahead and do a couple different things for us one go show francis some love on his instagram facebook and email inbox he's the first uh guest of ours who told you all to hit him up in his inbox not his dms so go do that and let him know that you liked what he had to say second thing guys if you liked our episode please go ahead and give us a five-star rating on itunes it takes you literally two seconds but it means the world to us and finally if you're listening to this episode right now go ahead take a quick screenshot of it upload it onto your insta story and tag us and we will promise to give you a little bit of a shout out
0: thank you all so much Savan. any final comments um yeah i mean the only thing is you guys can also follow us as you know on instagram too wait mine adult now and check out our website wait which has Ooh, a whole bunch new. of awesome stuff so yeah awesome
2: that. cheers guys bye
1: a small business. You work hard, but you don't have a huge marketing budget and you're always looking for new ways to find customers. Have you ever thought about audio? You're listening to an ad right now, aren't you? Introducing AudioGo, a new online platform that lets you run ads on the top podcast and digital radio stations. Don't have a radio ad? We'll make one for you. Sign up for free today at audiogo.com. AudioGo, audio advertising made simple.